Welcome to the Hearthstone, the Hell, a community, a Diablo, and whatever I'm playing right now, community podcast. It is Sunday, February 28th, 2021, and you're listening to episode number 15. Um, this week, I have a special guest. He's been on just about every other podcast this week. So I figured, screw it, he might as well be on my too. <laughs> <laughs> so um, without further ado, here's Trent Scythe. <laughs> hey, how you doing? Not too bad. Um, I know, like you were talking before the show, that you had, you know, I, I, I listened to one of your podcasts. Earlier today, I listened to the Shattered Soulstone podcast, mm-hmm. and you guys talked about everything to do with Diablo Immortal. I wanted to, um, I wanted to expand and, you know, go over everything that um, Diablo related we we seen at BlizzCon, and basically your um, your alpha testing and stuff like that. Hopefully I get into the next alpha because during BlizzCon, I I private messaged Adam Fletcher and I was like, please let me into the next, the next, um, you know, (laughs) the next round of testing since Wyatt Chang said there's going to be tons of, um, you know, rounds of testing. So we'll see if that happens. But, um, you know, we'll get into that, and um, yeah, we'll basically get into everything. But um, what have you been doing in the past week other than podcasts? <laughs> you know, podcasting. This was well. It, it was. It, I say it like, oh, oh, woe is me that I, this was my first BlizzCon where I wasn't there in person. It's like, yeah, like dipshit, like, like you and like forty thousand other people that would love to have been at BlizzCon as person. Yeah, I get it. Um, but usually, like my primary job when I go to BlizzCon is really to see people first, BlizzCon second, because like, I, because no matter how much, no matter how much information whether it's a lot or a little, when it's coming from a panel, coming from a developer, coming from a side conversation, or coming from an interview, all the information from BlizzCon usually takes two to three weeks for it to be digested by the people reporting it, put in the articles or videos to get widely enough seen, and then like everything starts getting kind of uh, consolidated enough and in those spots where you can kind of finally feel you have a good grounding of what the hell happened at BlizzCon in general. It's always like a weird whirlwind, so just come to expect it. So this year it was even more so because I'm used to being there, like talking to the developers, getting that more deep dive kind of information because usually after a panel in person, the developers come off, and usually they are more likely to stick around for 5, 10, 15 minutes, have side conversations, Literally clarifying and expanding on what they just talked about, but us being there gets that benefit. That's an in-person benefit of going to BlizzCon uh, if you go. Um, so it's like that's kind of like our like 
wish and also our task a job. But since we're not there, usually the people who aren't there, Apple is pro, uh, hashtag team no pants, as it's called, um, they just kind of take what's being thrown at them over the virtual panel or um, like the blog posts and just kind of like re-summing them up or transcribing like stuff on like Q&A panels and everything. And dear God, did I ever give the guys the respect for doing that over the years because like I transcribe all the Diablo panels except uh, the Diablo 2 Resurrected one. Another uh, person helped out with that one. And I transcribed two of the three um, group interviews. And while it was great, because, like, when you're doing that, it's like you're almost listening to every single, um, like, group Q&A, like, two or three times by the time you're done with it. It is. It burns you out. So, like, halfway through last week, I was like, all right, I'm going to do the last one to show podcast, and I'm just not going to think about Diablo for a day or show. <laughs> There's too much information floating around. Um, but other than that, I mean, you know, it's just great that we got so much information, as we do. And it, we're still all kind of swimming in it. We're most, like I said, we're almost approaching that point where we are finally kind of getting all the information, and it's all or less correct. <laughs> There's not like weird conflicting information going on. Uh, staring at you, PvP and Diablo 4 with some of the group interviews, which is well public stated and all that kind of stuff. Um, but yeah, it, it's it's been fun. It's been interesting. And uh, maybe I wouldn't mind doing it again. But I definitely want like that year break. Hopefully we won't have a year break. Hopefully November this year we could, um, you know, be there in person. I'm sorry, say again? I said hopefully in November we could be there in person this year. You know? Uh, that's that's the weird, funky question. Is if is there even going to be one this year? And Part of me is like, yeah, that would be amazing. And then the other part of me is going, they would have absolutely nothing. Like, like we say there are some years where there's absolutely nothing to announce. Like, dude, like this year, there would be absolutely nothing to announce. <laughs> it's it, it, like, I almost feel like BlizzCon Online this year was like a good salvage. And I don't mean that in a negative way, attempt of having nothing last year. But I really think they're... In my mind, not having BlizzCon last year and potentially not having one this year is almost beneficial to us, the players, even though it sucks not being able to go to a BlizzCon in person and seeing our friends. Because that means they're not spending months of time last year and this year getting demos ready when they don't need to be. Because that's like, that's demos or PR at, at BlizzCon, but it's also time. So if they could take that time back and put it more into development and flush things out and make sure things are more polished, then fuck it. <laughs> like if there's a, if there's not a BlizzCon until normal November next year, albeit. And considering I just bought an almost three thousand dollar computer, uh, yeah, I could stand out a little time to save up money for it. 
the the only thing that help that helps me hang on to a thread of hope is the opening ceremony whenever um when X's name said that you know after everything that you know we got these are only just a couple of the things that we have in development we have you know basically this is the biggest blizzard's ever been and we got plenty of other projects that we're working on that we're not telling anybody about essentially yeah yeah it, it seems that way and it seems like um i forget exactly where but i, I think it was like a I don't know if it's a tweet. I don't think it was a blue post, but it may have been like a LinkedIn thing. You know, there's like a thousand and one places this stuff can't come from nowadays. Uh, like there's basically a confirmed WoW mobile game of some sort confirmed. We we don't know. We don't have any indication of what it is, but it's like one of those like, yeah, it's confirmed, but we're not telling you so. Like bugger off. Um, and, and it's ironic that like taking that example in a vacuum uh where that could have easily been the first mobile game that Blizzard done could have done to get into the market. It's like literally just take your battle pet system, make it a mobile game and link it to your game account so you can at least do that when you're not at your computer and it gives you progress in the game and you have some cross link stuff. It like basically like the like the old joke of like like wow wow mon <laughs> but it's like People would would eat that shit up. People probably wouldn't have done pet battles. Probably would have if you would have had enough incentives uh, with rewards with linking to their accounts. And it's funny how if that is sort of kinda the WoW mobile game, it's like why they didn't lead off with that. Like why are they waiting till now? Yeah, like an augmented reality Pokemon Go esque. Yeah, like even if wow it was game. like, yeah, exactly. Like, even if it was like a, a dark clone, it would have been like, oh, this is just a clone. But it's like, yeah, but it's like wild pet battles. So you make fun of it for like a day, and then you download it because it's free, and then you're addicted for like a summer. Like everyone was. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, have you um? Might as well start, you know, knocking off the the easy ones. Have you played the PTR? <laughs> no, I haven't. Um, I've watched a few people play, but my thing with PTRs is, like, it's nice. If there's, like, something in there, like, I really should be testing for, like, um, like, getting ready for the next season to see, like, what I should be doing. And I'll go in, but usually I tend to not and just observe just so I'm not burning any any of my wills for the next season up prematurely. So when that season comes out, I'm like, I'm at 100% and we're all ready to go. And there's a sense of freshness to it that I haven't played it in the PTR for like 20 hours already. Yeah, the um, so far my consensus is that the Rathmus set's overpowered. I didn't hear anything. I don't know anybody that's played the 
the Firebirds set. I, I haven't watched Bloodshed or anybody. You know, so I can't tell you how powerful that thing is. But um, I was in chat with Wolfcrier on Friday, you know, the day it came out. And I think that day he did a 139 um, on the, with Rathma with, um, I think he said 2600 Paragon. I don't know if he had augments or anything like that, but um, he said it was um, he said it was way too easy. <laughs> yeah, that, that's necro sets seem like they always get either it, it, it's like necro sets seem like they're worse than butcher sets. It's like either they're trash or they're way overtuned. It's like they don't. It's like really hard to get them to be at a middle ground. Uh, it, it, it actually, ironically enough, it could be a function of since the Necro was the last class they did, it was the most polished, and all the sets for it were the most polished. So any amount of number adjusting actually has drastic effects because when you have a half a dozen to a dozen multipliers in a row. You affect one or two of them, it could bring a, it could bring the whole class down, depending on what set they're doing. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's a PTR for a reason. Hopefully, they'll get there. <laughs> Hopefully. Yeah, I've um, like the only weird thing that I've noticed, other than the disconnects, which are kind of weird. Hopefully, it doesn't carry on the season because I would really annoyed people but the leaderboards are messed up right now like you know like you could like go onto a leaderboard click your name at the top it'll show you at the clear bottom you know whatever your rank is clear bottom of the leaderboard and that's where you would be um right now it's basically putting you so you don't see yourself on the leaderboard. It's putting you that one below, the, basically the cutoff of you know whatever screen you're on. So it's basically cutting you off the leaderboard. So you have to scroll down once to see your name. That's, hmm. ha that's happening for me on every leaderboard that I've um, that I'm on. Yeah, that's weird. That so far is the only bug I've seen so far. Send it into your to your local blue. <laughs> Bug reports are the best reports. <laughs> I know that other people were saying that if they were showing like on the leaderboards, it was only showing like a hundred people on there, like a hundred and twenty some people. You could see more people, but like you couldn't scroll down any further. That's kind of odd. Yeah, that <laughs> with. The initial, I mean, at this point, like I, it's like I don't want to say I'm not surprised at this point because that makes it sound like really negative, like oh they can't do anything right. But the the game is old, <laughs> but the game came out in 2012, <laughs> and it was in development for many years on this engine prior, so 
it's a good thing we're getting new games at this point because I mean this engine is good and all, but it, there's going to be a day where they're going to try to do something and that engine is just going to crack and they're going to be like, whoops, well we can't do this idea. The um, like they've done so much to the leaderboard this season. Like I I can understand you know. Yeah. These little things. Other than that, that's basically everything for Diablo 3 that, you know, we can talk about. There's not really much else going on. They didn't show us the, you know, they're not showing us the the free, the, the completion of the season journey stuff until closer to the season starts, which is kind of nice. I'm glad for that, you know, it's not spoiled early. Yeah, that's good, and um, yeah, I haven't, the only thing with like the actual like follower update, like the only other big part is that overall it seems good, but it, from like observing, because again, I haven't played the PGR, I, I understand the concepts, I understand what's going on, There's, like the follower update is like one of those perfect examples of, give the mouse a cookie, we want to go gonna want a glass of milk. He's gonna he, he gonna want a nap. He's gonna want a napkin. So on and so forth. Because then it's like, oh, like why are only these legendary items on the list? We should have more. And then, oh, is the follower gonna switch out with the armory? How is that gonna work? Oh, for all these cheap deaths that we're getting from the follower, we don't have icons. We don't have a way of measuring that. So it's like. So it, it, and it's weird because like I agree with a lot of these things, and in the past, the dev- the development team has been like, yeah, there probably really should be an icon for this. Yeah, we should probably figure out a way to make this more visually visually noticeable or being able to attract this. But it's like one of those things, like the the, the ever spider web of systems in Diablo three or really any Diablo game in general. Um, it's like you do one thing and you affect 16 others and then you have to make sure everything is brought up to the same level and just this becomes like a rat net rat's nest of things that you have to do so it's like hopefully some of those things will be addressed but I, I'm imagining that they'll, they'll get to a point where they can only do so much and then they'll slate probably an, another round of things hopefully for the next PTR for their uh, I give the scoundrel just as many items as every other you know well maybe maybe the sorcerer has the same problem because she has a staff but um, you know the scoundrel can't use any quiver because they're all demon hunter quivers <laughs> yeah like all the weird quirks that we never cared about, all of a sudden matter, and and and, uh, and I'm a special player, so it matters to me, and it needs to be fixed. It's like, so your roll, <laughs> it'll be okay. <laughs> Take a deep breath, and we'll get through this together. <laughs> One demonism. <laughs> I just been like I've been using a scoundrel, and I've just been using instead of his instead of his he can't die. Um, thing I've been using 
he can use all of his skills, so I don't have to choose. It's just use them all. Screw it. <laughs> yeah, and that's becoming a hot debate in the community. It's like, you know, we always pick the do not die, but since you're actually making the skills attractive, plus the armor, plus everything, it's like, can we just make it so the followers just don't die inherently? And you could take the token that gives the do not die and give it another another uh, affix. So there's actually three viable affixes on the tokens that we can pick, and we don't have to worry about the follower dying. And in all honesty, when you think about it, it if I had to make the decision of yes, no, I would go with it because if it's the de facto choice, then it shows, at least by the player base, that that's what they're always going to pick. So why have the other items if they're always going to pick that one? So if you want to give the if you want to give the player agency in deciding and actually having a whether it's a small or large or meaningful choice and the items they're going to put on the follower, then let them have it. Especially when you compare other pets that don't die. <laughs> that like demon hunter pets that just live forever but there's nothing stating that they live forever they just do um necromancer pets to a degree with some sets or items just live so it's not unheard of in a general follower or pet mentality to have a just you're just adding on to that with a follower that you can just throw gear on uh nowadays so i view it as like you know there's no real harm in it. It's just, again, more depth on. So, if they did it, but they couldn't take the token out of circulation, but they would get back to altering that uh, FX next PGR, that'd be fun. Yeah. Like, with the, like, with the amount of cooldown you can put on your follower, like, you can get that is cheap death down pretty far, you know. At least mm-hmm. in my eyes, I think you can. Like, you can already knock 50% off with one item. And then, you know, with what, one, two, five items, you can get um, more cooldown knocked off. So you can knock a shit. Well, no, one, two, three, six items, you can knock off a shit ton more cooldown. So. You could basically knock it down probably to 30-second cheat death, you know? Yeah. And that'll be another thing they have to look at, but... Overall, it, it, it seems like it's good, and it's one of the things that was asked for a lot over the years, and it's this kooky that is actually happening. Yeah, they're not so D2 anymore, you know? Mm-hmm. Speaking of D2, I know, I think you said in the past you never played Diablo 2. That is correct. Are you going to play Resurrected when it comes out? Um, it all, will, okay, will I get it and play it? Probably. I, I would say there's a high chance of doing that. Um, heightened even more by... Uh, Nineball stating that he would that he would just like to see me play to see my reaction to things during the last podcast 
uh, with Family Leviathan, so uh, that, that that gave a little boost of like, okay, fine, I could get the money riled up. Um, yeah, I, I think if if I was going to play it, it would probably be through Resurrected, just so <laughs> I, I would be one of those Oh, give me all the conveniences, please. <laughs> like, like one of those people, because... I mean, I, I get Diablo 2. I mean, I watched many friends play it. That was just... They were playing Diablo 2. I was playing Counter-Strike. So that was just... That was just that era of gaming for my local group of friends and myself uh, during the time, so... Um, but yeah, it, it was it was cool seeing... If anything, through all the panels and getting the answers through uh, the group interviews and the uh, BlizzCon panels, like, you know they really played the game and they really understand it. And when they got asked, like, those really weird, niche questions, they had answers. They didn't seem to be caught off guard. And they, they really were trying to figure out First, how to preserve the experience. Second, just getting it run on a modern platform. And then three, increase, making it, bringing it up to like the graphical standards that you would expect it to be for a remaster. Um, in like that kind of order. And during some of the parts, I felt like I was getting more an education on Diablo 2 than just hearing them talk about stuff. Like, I feel like I understand more about the game, like, why uh, certain things were so important. Like, like for instance, like, how, like, the game is run on frames and it's not run on time. How that's important and how if you change that, the whole game breaks. Like, oh, that's a cool thing to know. That did not know. So there were uh, lots of examples of that. So it was pretty cool. I like the whole time through, like, like through the panels and stuff when Diablo 2 was on there, that you would see the panel, then you'd switch over to Twitter, and you'd see, like, these random people asking David Brevik questions. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <And> shit. <laughs> like, like, wow. It's like, they're really going after it now. Yeah, that, that's something that... That's like the... I don't know... It's not like I'm trying to come up with like a clever name to call them. It's like that's what you're you're. I I, I guess I have to, you have to say quote unquote Diablo two hardcore followers of Brevik. That even Brevik is like, no, get away from me! Like stop praising me like this. Like they're just like that cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs over Diablo two. They will not accept anything else. It's like they're like. A, they're like exponentially worse than like the, the hashtag no changes like classic people because at least most of those people understood like oh okay now this is actually pretty good you know I, I won't say publicly but like privately I was like, like no 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 <laughs> like these people like never ever <laughs> and I'm like yeah like those are people that will never wait really never buy Diablo 2 Resurrected because too many changes I was like oh it's not the version I wanted or they'll buy it and then they'll mod it to be to be the actual what they want it to be if they have the modding skills I was like you know what don't waste time on these people <laughs> hmm. they're doing what they're doing it seems like a, a vast majority of people 
are happy with it. Um, and, you know, Brevik's uh, comments, whatever he has, which is usually good, and he's usually neutral on these things. Uh, whatever he says, he says. I, I, I'm not I'm not looking to clamor to him what, he, what his comments are to, to inform my brain what I should like or dislike about it. For for me, um, like if I could pick any game for David Brevik to bring back, whether it be Diablo 2, like any game that he's worked on, I want Marvel Heroes back more than any other game. And that's coming from me playing Diablo 2 as a teenager. And that's coming... I never played Hellgate London or whatever the hell other game that was. Mm-hmm. But Marvel Heroes, to me, was Diablo 2 with my other passion of Marvel Heroes, you know, comic book characters. And it all worked it all worked great together you know and it was more modern you know it came out in like 2012 ish 2013 mm-hmm. and then um like 2015 well basically 2012 2013 david brevik somewhere around there he left the company that he started because you know he i don't think he liked the direction that the company was going so he left and then the company went a little bit further and then I think the first Me Too movement came out and a couple of the executives from that company got um, busted for the Me Too movement and stuff like that and then like the next day after that um, Marvel came in well Disney came in and took the um, Marvel license off of Marvel Heroes so basically Marvel um you know Disney killed the game and um matter of a night and then that was the end of that the end of that game and then yeah. the, server, the server shut down and then cannot play that game after that but um that to me was like his reimagining of Diablo into a different game you know what i mean yeah, I did see. I never played Marvel Heroes, but I think there were a couple of people um, in the Diablo community that, uh, like you know, streamers uh, that were playing it back then. Part of me wants to say I I remember Wolfire playing it like early, early today, but I could be completely wrong. Um, but yeah, it seemed like a really good game. Like anytime someone brought it up in conversation. They had praise for it, um, and it looked good. It, it looked like it played very well. So there's that. I mean, like again, like I never personally played, so I don't really have an opinion on it. But I never heard anything bad about it. So it is unfortunate, especially in that kind of a way for the player base. Like it's, it wasn't, it wasn't because like, you know, the game went out of business or the pot or people players were leaving the game and the server population couldn't stay the funding, whatever. But just in that way, like just like people's behavior. Like, Ugh. 
especially when you're dealing with any licensing from Disney, which is basically God at this point. <laughs> if they don't like what you're doing, they just pull your shit and you're just left out in the cold and in the rain. So yeah, that's that's kind of bad how that all ended. I didn't I I, I didn't know that. Looking back, the only thing that was kind of fishy about that company is like their microtransactions because the game is free to play right um and then like let's say you wanted the x-men instead of buying like all the x-men you could buy the x-men founders pack for 60 dollars and you would get you know like five of the x-men you know the the main major ones like you know Cyclops, Wolverine, Storm, you know, all them people. Every 50, 60 bucks. They would all come with like two, you know, two um, different out, like transmogs. Yeah. And stuff like that. And then every time Marvel would release a movie or something, you know, whatever movie that was, whatever character that was for, the game would release a transmog. For roughly around twenty dollars, it's basically transmog of the, you know, the movie that just came out, comic book characters, outfit, and there would be twenty bucks for that one outfit. Um, that was kind of fishy, like you know, or you could grind a whole bunch of time, a whole bunch of hours in this game and get like. 200 of these shards that drop and buy one character or you could buy five of them for 60 bucks or whatever it was like that some of that stuff was kind of fishy because they had um i don't know if it was like scrolls of life or something like that but you could buy them for i don't know like five bucks a pop or whatever they had weird shit like that wasn't like anything power wise it was more convenience and transmog but i don't know i guess it's the same thing poe is doing today and we don't you know bastardize them so i don't know like to me that was a lot of money for what you got in the game but you know it was what it was mm-hmm. yeah I'll be picking up D2 Resurrected. I have a feeling, depending on when it comes out, depending on when Immortal comes out, I wonder if it's, wonder how much of the community is going to, like, leave Diablo 3 and go to one of these two other games and basically kill off Diablo 3. Well, I mean, Diablo 3, for a while, even with really hyped seasons usually doesn't support the community for the full length of the season. There's a lot of drop off from people over the course of the season. So at least if they're dropping off, they're going from Diablo 3 to Immortal or they're going from Diablo 3 to Diablo 2 Corrected. So at least they're staying quote unquote in-house within the Diablo franchise. So it doesn't really matter. And that could actually be a good thing for the player base because if you're going from Diablo 3, you know, you do the opening weekend, you play the first or first 
second or third week, and then you're like, you know, I'm pretty good. I got Guardian. You know, let me go to my Diablo 2 character. Let me do some more old school grinding. Let me get that character up a couple of levels, however far I get. Or if you're going to be like me, it's like, okay, I've been playing Immortal on the side, maybe half an hour here, an hour at night. So, you know, I'm pretty good with where I'm at in Diablo 3 for the season. I'm going to go a little bit more full bore on grinding. Uh, my character with Paragon and any systems they have. So, I mean, at this point with Diablo 3 and its development cycle, its age and everything coming down the pipe, it's like, it's just a matter of the game is that where it's at in its life cycle. So, it's not a fact, it's not the, what was proposed as how much time will people put into Diablo 3, it's the inverse. It's people are still willing to put time into Diablo 3. That's that that's the more key metric to look at. So that'll be interesting over the next year or two as especially with Diablo Mortal and Diablo 1 getting closer to release and then release and then Diablo 4 getting closer to its closed beta, whatever the hell that is. And then eventually it's release. Uh, how everything starts shuffling around with Diablo 3 and season cycle and start with stuff, all that kind of stuff. Speaking of Diablo 4, um, what were your thoughts on the BlizzCon stuff? I mean, it was good that, you know, they practically told us we were going to get uh at least a class. You know, there's some of us who were thinking, could they do both? But ah, that was probably which one. So they showed us the rogue, which was, you know, pretty much what we were all kind of saying. You know, we were we were missing that ranged, uh, that physical ranged class. So, and more importantly for some of us, uh, like, is one of these classes going to have a bow? Are we going to try to keep the legacy of the Demon Hunter going forward or the history or the legacy of the older Diablo games going forward? And that was brought in uh, as well. Um, the specializations were were cool. The immune system is pretty good. Uh, it makes for a lot of flexibility what you want. Uh, they just have to make sure that each one of the specializations and each one of the immune systems has a very good purpose um, if not I don't want to say uh, like cliche line fake it till you make it like make it so like poison is actually really really good for these types of mobs or like these types of encounters and shadow is only really good for these types of mobs and these types of encounters to make it so you, you really have to pick what uh, like it's going to be like even though you may pick a specialization and an immune you want you're going to use most of the time you're, there's there's pros and cons to each one so hopefully they do something where it's not it's not just auto combo points and auto uh, shadow immune um, inevitably the best build will be figured out but hopefully it's a little muddled and more uh, player preference. And then uh, the other big thing was the PvP announcement, which was 
surprising that they were willing to talk about PvP in such depth so early. Um, but at the same time, if they want to make sure that PvE and PvE are good from the get-go and make sure that PvP is not affecting PvE and vice versa, then they kind of have to, whether they want to or not, to make sure PvP is being developed this early in the game, which is, which is quote-unquote, in the game, which is uh, a euphemism for in development of Diablo 4. Um, just to make sure everything is working correctly. And it was actually, even though it's still simple at the end of the day, as far as the concept, um, it's still good to know that the idea of what PvP is, like the hostility system, and there's actually mobs in there, you collect shards, you have to clear, you have to um, purify them, and then you can only spend them when they're purified, and then you can use them for cosmetic items. And that's an additional incentive to PvP on top of, you know, going into a zone and just saying, fuck that guy. <laughs> um, but yeah, like, you know, you always wish you want, you get more, but you know what, if they've been able to make this much progress, uh, because classes seem simple and everything, but they're just annoyingly large amount of work to do a class. Um, yeah, I mean... Again, always want more, but it was good that we got as much as we did. They brought up the encampments for the second BlizzCon in a row. What are your thoughts on them? Yeah, um, I feel they're I feel they're good. And what do I mean by good? The camp system. Like, in my mind, the camp system, the world bosses, um, and to, to a degree, like, the key, the dungeons, are all good systems in my eye. But it's, like, within, like, a minute of initially hearing them, like, getting the full details on them, I was, like, already thinking, like, this system could be expanded. <laughs> uh, you know, not, like, blown out of portion not made this big overbearing but like it could be expanded like it could be made a little bit bigger but then again like we don't know everything so they did did go into more details this time around how you know it's gonna be camps gonna be hostile you clear the hostility you get waypoint you get access to maybe special vendors special um uh artisans potentially uh again it seems like they have the core concepts, they just don't have the finites in there yet, which is understandable. Um, but it's like how some some of us were thinking, like, okay, it's a part of the world, you clear it out, you're changing the world. That was their viewpoint, like you're like you're changing the world, it's it's a way of you under it's a way of you knowing that you're making your mark, uh, so to speak, in sanctuary and makes the gameplay uh, more engaging. But, like, you know, it, it wouldn't hurt if, like, there were some camps that were in more hostile zones that every once in a while you had to go defend them. Because that, that is replayability. And maybe have something special if you fend off an attack. Instead of laying again, recaptured, and then you have to go back in. Uh, would it be highly annoying if every camp you unlock would eventually get 
re-attacked and recaptured and flew back to them, yeah, that would be annoying. But if there were ones that were earmarked and you got special rewards, like when you logged in and stuff, like, yeah, I mean, uh, it would be nice. And like, like I brought up, like, uh, the world bosses, their, their ideas to make them a little bit more engaging each time you do them, give you, like, chase items potentially. Uh, with like integrated leaderboard based off of like the damage you do, how many times you've died, uh, how much uh, crowd control effects you've done or healing, if healing is going to be a thing in the game with the last class because uh, that's up in the air. Like stuff like that to help incentivize good gameplay and incentivize you wanting to do um, to do these world bosses besides like the first time and you realize ah, this reward really isn't worth it. I'm just not going to bother with these. Um, but yeah, as far as the camps go, it's like, it's nice. It's like getting more stuff is always nice. It's just making sure that it's not a, something as wide as an Olympic size swimming pool and the depth is six inches. That's basically what I'm viewing. And I'm just hoping that there's more depth to each system as we're not just getting a ton of systems that's trying to mask depth when there really isn't. Yeah. Um, like like you alluded to, the encampments to me, um, if you're a casual player, I could see them being neat. But if you're like a hardcore player or like Leviathan or, you know, to a lesser degree, me, um, you're going to beat them fairly quick. And then, you know, they release one six months down the road. You're going to murder that the first day. And you're not going to think about it any other time other than the first year that this game's released. And, you know, until you make another character. And, um, you know, like, you, you murder, you you kill everything once and it's done and then you're, you're, you're done with that part of the end game. And then you're like, what do I do now? You know, do I just go back to basically dungeon farming or, you know, to the, you know, to the boss killing and stuff like that? I just wish there was I don't know. I I don't again just thinking of like Diablo 3 and stuff after many of years of doing these rifts and greater rifts they get boring as shit. And I'm going to I'm we're probably going to find out that doing these dungeons eventually are going to become boring as shit, you know, and I just wish, like, I don't know, like, and I, I hate bringing this game up every freaking time I talk about something with Blizzard, but PoE had the map system, and they had it for a few years, and this past league, they went, you know what, we're going to redesign it, we're going to make a different end boss. And we're going to make, you know, we're going to change this shit up so it's not as boring as, you know, as it was in the past. And they did that. 
and there's a ton of people playing it, and they keep getting more and more people every league playing this game. And I just I wish Blizzard could find this end game system that is an, an iteration of something they have already done in the past. Diablo 3 had rifts. We're going to have dungeons in Diablo 4 that's basically the same. Um, you know, I don't know. You know, I, I, I don't... Obviously, it's coming from a person who didn't play it, but, you know, that's just my own, like, scary detail that just keeps popping up in my head. Yeah, I mean... You're definitely not alone. I'm there with you. A lot of the, a lot of the community is there with you. And then from you know the casuals to the people like us who are doing the websites, the podcast, the people who are at the high end. I mean, everyone has a general concern about what the hell the egg game is in this game. Um, because I mean, for better or worse, we still have to recognize we're still probably still in the first half, the first 50% of development time for Diablo 4. And Blizzard moves slower than we want them to, and it's always agonizing. So that's something we always have to remember. Patience is usually rewarded. At least, if not for anything, it's just not killing ourselves mentally daily. Like, I see people on the Diablo Immortal Reddit <laughs> daily asking, when is this game coming out? Ah, do we have to do this? I'm like, guys, calm down. Calm staff down. <laughs> you're gonna, like, you're gonna make yourself hate this game before it comes out because you can't keep your shit together. Um, but with Diablo 4 and the Endgame, in a weird way, it's cool that they've told us that Dungeons are going to be a thing in the world. They're going to be located to actual anchored spots in the world. And that, and they also told us what key dungeons are, which is essentially the matured version from WoW with Mythic, with Mythic Dungeons, because it's going basically in that level system, uh, but with a different flair, a different version of their affixes attached to it, um, which is all fun and dandy uh, in my eye. And the reason why I say that's fine, at least from my perspective, is because it forces them to think outside the box and that they're going to have to come up with something different for at least the next the next endgame system, if not several endgame systems that are meant to challenge us as players to, make a, to force us to grind out the gear, because at the end of the day, Diablo is a gear hunting game, to give us reasons to hunt for that gear to make those builds that we need that are that much stronger to do the endgame content. So, I'm not getting too bent out of shape because a system I don't know about is a system I can't nitpick to death. It's an unfortunate defect, I guess, of my personality. <laughs> I try to I try to use it for good. Um, but, uh, just kind of going back to the whole camps thing, I don't think camps are ever meant to be part of the endgame system. I think if any, if you want to classify camps as anything, classify them as like more or less campaign content, like campaign side class content. I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't classify them as endgame. Um, 
but yeah, for sure. Like how you're stating, like, you know, everyone's kind of looking at POE, like, you know, side-eyeing it and looking over in front of them as if there was a mystical, magical Div- Diablo 4 development team. They're all kind of going like, <laughs> like, what do you got? <laughs> we're, we're looking at you guys. So we're, we're kind of all at that point. And uh, hopefully patience will be rewarded. And if they show us something that's subpar, we will definitely let them know and try to help give them direction. Uh, that much can be a that much can be assured. <laughs> There's one thing you know about the Diablo community from your time being here, my time being here, and all the people listening is that we're vocal. <laughs> we, we tend not to care about pleasantries, for better or worse. <laughs> We always give people their props for doing something good, though. <laughs> yes, yes. We we are, um, you could say the Delta community is brutally honest in, in bad and good ways. <laughs> and, and we're loyal to a T. <laughs> yep. <laughs> like a band of demon slayers. <laughs> anyway... <laughs> I guess the the final game we'll talk about today is, you know, on a brighter side, is Diablo Immortal. <laughs> yep, yep. Um, obviously, like I, like I said before the show, Wyatt Chang said that there's going to be plenty of other testing before the game comes out coming out in 2021 as of you know the last day of February 21 um do you think this is going to be like fall winter release like what do you think um like what do you think the timeline of this year is going to be for Diablo Immortal just like your own personal gut feeling see what has gotten to me last week but we were on the West Market Workshop before and after BlizzCon. I would have said either late quarter three, early quarter four. So thinking about D2 Resurrected, how that game looks like it's more or less all all corrected, all there. And they're already advertising the opt-in alpha and people are already pre-purchasing the game. So, you know, Throwing aside all the, the debacle that they are highly aware of in multiple ways, for multiple reasons, with Warcraft through Forge, you know, putting that aside uh, for this discussion, you, you would think that Diablo 2 Resurrected is probably much closer to release than Diablo Mortal, but, like, you know, then this week I've been kind of thinking, like, what if it isn't? What if I'm, what if we're, like, I'm thinking about this and I'm, like, like giving myself my own red herring of like misguiding myself. So I'm gonna preface it with like I don't have a fucking clue. <laughs> um, and considering that it's a mobile game, where it's a free-to-play game, where the traditional rules, like think about it this way: like usually the traditional rules is get your game out anywhere between late September to late October. 
So that's why the game is out, and it's there for the Christmas rush. So you can get, like, initial sales plus uh, Christmas sales by parents or kids or whatever, or there's sales going on. So a $60 game may be, like, 55 or $50 at a retail, but, like, the publisher is still getting the full price. It's just that the, like, the Best Buy is selling it at a discount just to move product. But with a mobile game, those rules don't really apply because with the Immortal, it's a free-to-play game. So there's no initial rush cost. It's just you want to get people downloading the game. That That's the key thing. Get people downloading the game to like the game to maybe want to spend some coin on it. So it's like, oh, in that case, do they want to try to get it out? Like, I don't want to say early summer because that seems way too early if they're going to have multiple rounds of testing, like, because for what it seemed like, you know, the backtrack one step, it's they're going to have multiple rounds of testing, and it seems like they're going to have at least one round of testing with multiple systems, you know, what those are, you know, earmark that for later conversation uh, when we get there. But it seems like they're going to have one round of testing with whatever systems they're ready, and one of, and either the Necro or the Crusader, not both. And then there'll be another round of testing with those systems and whatever else they have ready, if not the rest of the systems, and it will be the other class. And then will they have another test after that, being like their closed beta or open beta, where it's essentially just two weeks of stress testing? And they said that the next round will be longer, so is like, say the Necromancer comes out first, is that going to be like three weeks of testing and then is the Crusader one of that going to be another three weeks of testing and then it's going to be naturally breaks of a week or two between so they can take all the feedback do any kind of corrective actions and implement them in those builds so I'm like huh we're going into March if it's like three weeks plus say two weeks in between or, or like three weeks on three weeks off you're looking at six weeks six weeks and then say two weeks for an open beta and then say two weeks off. So that's six, 12, 16 weeks, give or take a couple more. So that's four months from now. So that puts us at like the end of June, like the end of June, beginning of July. So they, that puts it at that, that, that prime middle of summer spot for release where Kids aren't in school. It's the it's the best time for everyone to download a game because they don't have distractions, so they get so they can just play the game. They can spend money on the game, which is the intended purpose at, at the end of the day. So I'm beginning to think that, oddly enough, like Nightball and myself thought like August was a little ambitious, but I'm beginning to think that uh, it may not be ambitious enough. For what they want, so it, it may be middle of summer to late summer uh, for Mortal, and Diablo 2's release date will dance around that. And I would have, I, I, I could actually see Diablo 2's release date happening closer to like that um, early October, late October, more classic release schedule, so they don't conflict, and also so they would be in different quarters. So Diablo 2's Resurrected would be a feature of quarter 
three or quarter four and Diablo Immortal would be a feature of quarter two or quarter three because they kind of like they want to make sure they have a game in every quarter or if they do have games that they're in different quarters if they can help it to make sure that each quarter has a revenue spike with it but what happens if they release Diablo Immortal I mean Diablo Resurrected in quarter two then quarter three they released Diablo Immortal. <laughs> well, that good old Hearthstone comes in with it with its last expansion back. Like it always does. <laughs> yeah. The um they c- they're testing they can always combine like, you know, let's say that Okay, we're going to test the Necromancer, right? We're going to have these systems with the Necromancer. And, you know, we're going to test them, let's say, two, three weeks. And then at the end of that two, three weeks, we're not taking it down. We're just not going to let you do the Necromancer anymore. We're going to go to the Crusader. And the Crusader is going to be tested for two, three weeks. And then after that, then we're going to go over all the information that we got, you know, over these last six weeks or whatever. And then, you know, they could do something like that, you know, without stopping and then going back and, you know, going yeah, over they, all the data. Yeah, they could. I mean, at the end of the day, we're just trying to 4D chess this out. <laughs> Um, but the only reason why I say that they would have like like a two week break in between because I feel that would be better for them to just digest the data at like a minimum, like just like take it all and digest it, get it categorized, and figure out like okay where are the issues, okay what are the actual issues that are breaking the game, what are the actual issues that are graphical, what are the actual issues that are systematic or that the engineers have to look at that we know of for certain. If at the minimum, for just trying to figure out what's causing the problem. Like they know there's a problem, but they don't know what it is and they have to try to investigate it. Let alone the things that are just like weird one-offs because someone has like a Samsung insert model here from like six years ago and it's giving an issue. But since they're supporting it, they have to try to figure out what's causing the issue. Like, no real difference than PC is that's probably more annoying because it's a mobile platform. And just like computers, there's Android and there's iOS, which in the desktop market, there's Mac OS and then Windows. So it's not like they're getting, they're not getting it any easier being on the mobile platform. It's just, it's just probably, it's probably the same issues, different platform, to probably be honest. Um, at the end of the day, um, but yeah, you're right. I mean, they could do three weeks, like go down for a day for maintenance, bring it back up with the patch, and oh, look at Crusader's there. Um, but I don't know. It's like over the last couple of days, I've been thinking about like that whole prediction episode and the recap. I'm thinking like, no, Immortal doesn't play by the same rules. And if it doesn't play by the same rules, then I'm wondering if we're we're not applying if we're not applying good prediction rules, for lack of a better term, for when this game is going to come out. So, 
and it would also be very interesting for it to come out in like July or August so they could always do like a, you know, it's hot as hell outside and it's only going to get hotter. Download Diablo Immortal and, and try to fight demons. Like, you know, like cheesy tie-ins like that. Um, but yeah, so, I mean, whatever. They, they're going to do what they're going to do. You could always get Brandy to do the July, the forges are burning hot. Um, oh, no. That's that's not going back to that. that. That could be the release of Diablo Immortal, but if if they go to July to testing, that would be an entire year of testing for Diablo Immortal. Yeah. Uh, would it... Well, what, well... Oh, what, if it released at the end of the year? Yeah, well, yes and no. It's, it's not spray testing. It, it's, oh, God. It's not like Diablo 3 that started its closed beta or friends and family alpha in like mid-September and then it went to I want to say mid-April or end of April so it was like seven to eight months I was like that, that, that wasn't good but they also understand that that wasn't good which is the reason why Reaper of Souls beta was so much better, and look at that, the game was better for it. Imagine that. Um, and they're definitely getting very good feedback with Immortals. Like, that was the one thing uh, I took away from all the group interviews, the Q&A, is that even though we didn't get a lot of new information, Wyatt and Julian are very good at taking feedback, understanding the feedback, and, can, and when they were able to, actually, because Sometimes answer a question reveals things that they're not ready to talk about or they can't talk about or they don't want to talk about right now. Um, they really have a good understanding of genuinely taking our feedback, looking at it, and correcting things in the game. A lot of my questions in the group interview were, 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 system, quest, were system questions, and not just system questions revolving around, like, microtransactions and gold and what can we buy? It was like, like no, I care less about that. If the game if the game is crap base-wise, I'm not going to spend money in it. I want the game to be great. And these are my concerns. And I asked questions about the legendary uh, gens and, their, and the, the, the what it appears to be drop, weight, drop weights and the crafting costs. They seem really out of whack. I asked about how there are some items, especially using uh, the normal gens as an example, like how do I know what's tradable and what's not? Like, fundamental, easy questions. Like, uh, when you're probably watching people play the game, you would see the edge of the screen constantly flash red when they were getting hit. Well, they would be at 90, 80, 70% health, and it's very distracting, and it confuses you because we're so used to seeing that screen at, like, 20% health. So, like, I was just nailing those points down, and they gave... They gave great substantive answers on each one of those. Even if they couldn't go into their corrective actions for those, they were very aware of them. And uh, and to tell you the truth, I know I'm going a little long-winded on this one. I have since 2008. I have been more. Well, I can't say 2008. Since 2019, when Diablo 4 was announced, up until the automization post, 
last year, the December Q4 update for Diablo 4, I have been more encouraged and more at ease with Diablo Mortals development than Diablo 4. Because granted, Diablo 4 was just announced and all those disclaimers. But it seemed like they had like they had an idea, they knew where they were going, and they were just going to do it. Where Diablo 4, it seems like they're getting a lot more feedback, but then the whole feedback process is like, okay, we have to take feedback, we have feedback, we have to judge it, we have to figure out what we want to do as a development team, and then go forward. So up until the automation post and this uh, BlizzCon Online, um, where I feel more at ease with the Diablo 4 direction in general, Again, some points could be better. Um, I've been so much more happy with Diablo Immortal. Yeah, pretty much. The um, we don't hear from you know Wyatt Chang and stuff as much as we hear from the Diablo Four team, but we hear a lot more. You know, good information out of Wyatt Chang. Then, you know, this is what we're thinking. What do you guys think of it? You know. Yeah, and, and like I said, like, like I don't want to seem like personally too harsh on the development teams. Like, it's like I pretty much know at least a dozen to a dozen and a half developers that are now spread across all the teams. It's actually really cool personally uh, after all this time and all everything's being done um, it's not to like and it's not to flaunt it it's just like to see where people were and where they're going and how they take their styles of development um, but it's also recognition of Diablo 4 is probably in a much earlier development cycle than Immortal is so I try to keep that in mind with the criticism but also at the same time, it's like, I think that the only way people were ever going to give Immortal a shot, it wasn't the demos, it wasn't the community influencers saying like, oh, I tried it at BlizzCon 2018, or I tried it at BlizzCon 2019, that's actually really good. It was never going to be that. It was always going to be that thick alpha drop, which at the end of the day, when you think about everything that we haven't been able to test, like, and that is in the that was in the alpha, which was the level forty six to sixty experience, the all the zones that we haven't experienced, and with all those zones comes bounties, comes dungeons, comes new zone events. Um and then there are the end game PvE experiences and the end game PvP experiences, along with the two classes, there's probably just as much that was missing from the alpha as much as we were testing in the alpha. And that's crazy because it felt like there was more to do in Diablo Mortal than there was to do in Diablo 3 on any given day. And there's almost twice as much more content coming. Just right now. Let alone after the game is released with more story, more dungeons, more classes. I, I just love the boldness and the direction that they're going and it's it's great. It's generally a, a great thing to have. 
yeah, it's it's nice to have so much content you don't know what you don't know what to do at any particular time that you log into a game. Yeah, that that was like this funny thing about um <laughs> World of Warcraft uh Legion. They would throw so much stuff and they were thinking like and everyone was crying like Blizzard please stop too much content and then, you know, like the traditional like meme of like Blizzard going, Too bad it's like vomit more content. Like, no yeah. <laughs> so um yeah, it, it, it's it's like I know I, I this is more of a, this feels like a salvation, like an end of podcast kind of thing to say, but I'll say it now because uh, I was like going around Reddit and and there was like a lot of good things. There was a lot of conversations, good conversations for a change. But this is a comment I saw. And I guess it's like I, I'm gotten to the point where like like I'm so jaded with people on Reddit that it's like 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 snap response just like happens. And it was basically, I don't even know what it was even a reference to, but it was like basically complaining, you know, like D2 is better, blah, 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 resurrected. And, uh, and I just said like, look, everyone thinks Blizzard hates Diablo for whatever reason. It's like Diablo was, is like the most flexible and most unique franchise in Blizzard's arsenal. It brought Blizzard back to consoles, it's bringing Blizzard to the mobile platform. You, you, they allowed GOG to redo Diablo One. They're still supporting Diablo Two and Lord of Destruction with ladders and fixes every once in a while. They've decided to go through the effort of acquiring a studio to do Diablo Two Resurrected. They're still supporting and somehow, for some strange reason, still giving us big system changes in Diablo 3 and they're working on Diablo Immortal and they're working on Diablo 4. That is six different versions of the same franchise that are all actively happening at the same time and I'm still seeing title breaths on on Immortal. I'm like, I'm done. <laughs> I, I, I know this is like, like a rant and everything but it's like I'm done. It's like if I can like look at it and say, if I can like not even talk and like point at a logo of Blizzard and then point at the six different versions of Diablo, and then I kind of do like the whole like thing with the hands where you kind of like point with both hands. It's like, come on, come on, do they really hate your game that much, or, or are you just kind of being a stickler about it? It's like, ugh. I know. I'm sorry. A rant. Oh, flash rant. <laughs> the only I don't know like it seemed it seemed for like let's say let's go let's go back to 2019 before we knew Diablo 4 was coming out before we knew Diablo Immortal or Diablo 4 Diablo Immortal anything of that stuff was coming out it seemed like Diablo 3 was in maintenance mode. Like, it seemed like, you know, they're not doing anything much with this game. They're giving us, you know, the rebalance in the game. They're giving us basically power creep, you know, every season. And then that massive 
what season 12 I think um, a massive power creep we got in season 12 mm-hmm. ne- the necro and stuff came out but that was like the only thing that we've got like that was it that was the last thing we got from Diablo until 2019 and then they just started dropping bomb after bomb on Diablo ever since then you know and I can understand before 2019 it did seem like the redheaded stepchild of Blizzard but since 2019 like this is the most supported platform or franchise in Diablo I mean in Blizzard right now yeah and this is also you know you said that whole redheaded stepchild comment which is something that we as a community all said we we all knew what that comment was we all said it a lot and ironically as someone who like i played heroes and whatever uh i wasn't really invested but like someone who like loves the starcraft to like loves the starcraft lore i like the game i don't play it the player at all i just like the story single player campaign and lore and this BlizzCon, it was like it was made crystal clear aware like yeah heroes and starcraft ripped <laughs> like yeah like uh they're there they're on the banners if there was an in-person blizzcon uh that's about it <laughs> at least for now yeah it's crazy that they're even stopping <clears throat> basically stopping the money train from coming in on them too it's like we're not or at least on StarCraft 2, is we're not releasing any more of these packs, you know, for you to buy anymore. So what you got's what you got, and that's it. <laughs> yeah. It uh, it makes me hopeful, at least in the sense of StarCraft, that there's a StarCraft 3 that's being conceptualized, hopefully. Um but yeah, that's gonna be uh it's gonna be quite like like people think Diablo four is a long ways off. Like StarCraft three, if that is a thing and it does eventually get shown at some point, like yeah, that'll be definitely closer to the end of this decade than to the beginning of it. <laughs> at this point. Yeah, I have a feeling that the people that worked on StarCraft 2 that no longer work at Blizzard is going to come out with a going to come out with a game before StarCraft 3 comes out. Uh, well, there is Frost Giant, which I think is where a lot of the RTS people from StarCraft and World of Warcraft, uh, well, not World of Warcraft, uh, Warcraft RTS, went and they made their company. Um, but who knows? I mean, if it's a small team, they have to find people. I mean, a great example of that is look at uh, uh, Bonfire. Bonfire has been out as a development team for years now. I want to say four, close to five years now. They haven't announced a single damn thing. And it's like I the last time I looked at their uh, staff, like their team, it's almost like three quarters like ex Blizzard people. Like Josh Mascara is there. Uh, there's a whole bunch of like like older, not like old old, but like decently old school in quotes 
uh, Blizzard talent that are at least, at least name recognized. Uh, name recognizable uh, if you follow developers and haven't heard a damn thing about a game coming from them. So unless going back to Frostgrave, because again they're an RTS game company that was formed by ex-RTS Blizzard people, um, if they do come out with game unless they go for an easy art style that allows them to basically like rapidly make units, buildings, whatever they're going to do. If they're going to go for the more realistic approach like StarCraft was, just in their own their own unique flair, whether it be with levels, units, and story, whatever, they're probably anywhere between four to six years out from releasing their game. So, if anything, it would be they would be coming, they would have to be fighting for their own unique spot at the same time that uh, StarCraft Three again, if it's even a thing, would be starting to be leaked out and, you know, that initial trailer type deal and then build hype and then the slow leak of information over the course of a year or two before it Yeah, and I always think back to Activision's hand and everything and since RTSs are not um, viable for the money of, you know, a studio, therefore there's not very much incentive to make another RTS game. Which is kind of a funny statement because not to go on the Activision Blizzard hate train, but if you just kind of take that statement and put it in the vacuum and look it over objectively. Like RTS, the RTS genre isn't a pro, isn't a profitable or isn't profitable for us as a company to support it. Then the immediate rebuke, as a normal person, not driven by financials, but thinks in kind of like a uh, leadership role, it's like, well, how about how about it's not the genre's fault, it's the people making the decisions aren't making good decisions about those games to make them profitable, to make people want to spend money on them, to make people want to engage with the game. It could be just a series of bad decisions, which we've seen plenty of examples with uh, before, and even just as recently as, as two or three days ago, where they decided Anthem, yeah, we're not. We're not even going to try to fix this shit. It's beyond. It's beyond our um, scope of trying to fix this, and it, it, it's probably the single worst disaster of the game, uh, even more so than Fallout 76. Even though it tried really hard, um, but yeah, it's like sometimes it's not the financials. Sometimes the financials will be there if you just make really good decisions. Plus, the people in charge of the game made the right decisions to make sure that people were engaged with it and by being engaged they would be more willing to spend the money and to be more willing to spend the money you would have better profit outcomes it's so weird to be talking in that kind of way with a game and unfortunately we're only going to be that way with Portal and probably Double 4 as they get closer and closer to their own individual releases because they're going to be a factor now as compared to Diablo 3 and even uh, Diablo 2 uh, as far as just being completely different 
games at that point. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's like that's the easy retort. It's like, like oh, they're not profitable because the genre's dead. It's like, all right, how about you just try better? <laughs> how about you get good? <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Like, like they failed at their the you know defense of the ancients or whatever like the Dota games, and it's it's crazy to think you know that another studio like that's basically one of their only games, and they're printing money having a game like that and Blizzard comes out, you know, how many years after that with a game and they try and make it an esports game and stuff like that, but then then they squash it, you know, a year or two later after the esports out and then now you basically don't even hear about it at BlizzCon. Yeah. Yeah, Heroes is a it's an unfortunate sad tale, and I know a lot of people, whether they're just fans of the game or they were somehow involved indirectly or directly in, like, hosting or participating in leagues or tournament setups and stuff, and, like, I, I feel bad for them because it, it was a passion. I mean, people who played that game, who understood it, like, you know, like, like, they loved it just as much as we loved Diablo 3, and, like, did you know at, at any BlizzCon or or before any BlizzCon, we could have gotten a death notice, <laughs> just like uh, Heroes and uh, StarCraft did. That like yeah, Diablo Three, we just we don't further development. What you guys, what you got? We'll do like a bug fix uh, patch here or there. Then that's it. Like we we were very much, and ha- as you said uh, earlier, uh, there was there were like two years in a row where there was like no solid decent patch for the game and we were like is this is this like the calm before the storm or is this just forever calm and we didn't know but we lucked out in the matter even when Brandy told us in like like August or September that one year you know there's not going to be anything Diablo at BlizzCon this year. It's like, uh-oh. <laughs> yeah. But we lucked out, so. We'll we'll push those dark times behind us. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't, um, as for Anthem, like, like, that would be so irritating. Like, even, like, the people that, like, I don't know if it, if there was a, um, a pack that came out, like, whenever Anthem was released that you buy, you know, pay a hundred bucks or whatever and you get the game and X amount of expansions after that. Like, I would feel, like, so fucking burned, you know. I would, I wouldn't buy another fucking game from EA after that because, you know, you basically they took your hundred bucks and said thanks and they ran away and you basically didn't get the game you were promised. Oh yeah, like 
at least my personal thing with EA, like, stems all the way back when Warhammer Age of Reckoning, uh, the MMO, was a thing. Because they were just a publisher for Mythic uh, Studios that was actually making the game. And, like, the game was good. Like, the game was good. We played uh, server issues aside in the Realm RVR, the Realm v. Realm uh, combat. Um, we, uh, we we felt that certain guilds knew exploits to crash the server if we had gone past. Uh, we were basically attacking, like, their factions capital. Like, they basically knew how to exploit and crash the server to reset artificially the RVR. But besides that, uh, the game itself was fun, and then, like, they couldn't do updates. They were being, they were like, Mythic was kind of being strangled, like, to do the updates uh, by EA. And then EA decided, like, well, you're a part of us. You're developing. We're the publisher. But we're just going to close the studios, and then we'll move all the production to one of our in-house places. And then that's when I stopped because I'm like, this is horseshit. <laughs> like, I can't play this game. Um, and then it, it just seems like EA is just, like, unless you're playing one of their sports games or one of the more mainstay games, like any, like any, like, good studio that they just happen to acquire and they just let them do their own games, looking at you, Bioware. Actually, uh, th- that was actually... Uh, when Mythic was closed, the production for Warhammer Online was moved to Bioware for a short period of time. That's what it was. I just remember that right now. Um, I was like, eh, not so much, because at that time, Bioware was more focused on Mass Effect 2 or whatever it was at that time. Um, so they just kind of kept the game alive until eventually it faded. But looking at Bioware, it's, ooh, what was it? It, what happened recently that they're going to focus on the next Dragon Age and the Mass Effect but oh no yeah it was Anthem duh sorry we were just talking about it it was like it, it, like Bioware is on shaky grounds now because their reputation is being a really good studio it's like they came out with Anthem as crap and just said they're going to fix it and they aren't and they're going to hopefully make sure that Dragon Age and the next Dragon Age, and um, the next Mass Effect are actually going to be good and everything. And it's like, I don't know. it looks like it may be the next studio to get its ass handed to it. If it if it, things don't good, go well, then it'll exceed 10 million units on the first day, whatever ridiculous number EA puts in their shareholders' minds. Yeah. Like, even if they make Dragon Age and Mass Effect at the same time, whatever game comes out first, if that flops, you might as well say fucking Bioware is done. Like, that's that's my own personal thought. Like, I don't think EA is going to allow them to go any further after that. Yeah. Yeah, it's gonna be an interesting couple of years for Bioware and for because I don't play Dragon Age, I don't play Mass Effect, but for for the players that do and they do enjoy those games, it's gonna be an interesting couple of years to be paying attention to the developer studio, to seeing if 
a lot of people exit us uh, along the way or if the studios basically stays together and actually shows some real progress that at the last minute doesn't get shit in. <laughs> like I never understood back in the day whenever Microsoft had all these game studios like um, uh, the people that made Fable and stuff like that. They had like all these different studios and they were making all these different games for Xbox. And then it seemed like from the time the 360 came out till the Xbox One came out, they basically killed off 90% of these studios. And it's like, why? And then the next, at the end of the Xbox One area, arrows like there was no, you know, there wasn't very much, you know, um, exclusives for the Xbox. And now Microsoft's buying up all these studios again. It's like, if you wouldn't have killed them off to begin with, you would have all these studios. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. yeah, it's just, game development is a strange beast. As far as I know, Sony's like the only company that does that acquires a studio and doesn't kill thirty of them off after they buy one. You know? Yeah. I think I think they bought the people that made um the, the last Spider-Man game I think right. I'm not mistaken. I am not sure on that. I'm just curious what Vicarious Visions gonna do after. You know, after Diablo two, like what's what's next? They could really do anything. I mean, Team One, which was the classic division, got dissolved. And then Vicarious Visions came in and was charged with remastering uh, the classics, which is essentially what Team One, being classic team, was charged with doing. So, for all intents and purposes, they could be split up and kind of work on... They, could fundamentally come to Diablo 3 after Diablo 2, a small chunk of them to help with more development if they wanted to, or helping make new content for Diablo 2 uh, resurrected after its initial release window of three months, six months, however long that is. They could, it's almost like a weird, like independent, independent flex team that could be put on any num- any project after they complete their previous one. So, who knows? I just wonder if they're going to tackle a new IP. Uh, it, it could be that, too. It, it, they could really be doing anything. I think they're still based in New York, if I'm not mistaken. It's quite a way away from... I, I think Blizzard, Blizzard's still in Irvine, California, but yes, they are. The last, the last, I don't know, half of a year I've seen post like, like hiring things that you know, if you get hired, 
you know, after this quarantine period, you know, of this next year, we don't know if you're going to be working in California or Texas. It's like, is Blizzard moving or do they have like another place in Texas that, you know, that they have a, like a hub at that I don't know about? Um, I think I think Texas is where they had or have call center and or data centers um, or like support. But then again, my knowledge on that is could be woefully out of date. So couldn't tell you. I, I was just I was just wondering because you see like Tesla's leaving California. All these other people want to leave California. Michael's Blizzard going to leave California? No idea. I seriously doubt that they would leave California. They're too... I don't know. I think they're too ingrained at this point in California to leave. Like, it would, I don't know, like, where would BlizzCon be if they weren't in California, you know what I mean? I guess the weird things. Do you have anything else that you would like to talk about on this show? No, I think we we pretty much did everything. No stone was left unturned or unblooded. Where can um, where can people reach you at, Dred? Uh, people can primarily reach me at uh, on Twitter uh, at Dred uh, I do have a personal blog, simple blogish kind of website, which is dredsite.com. And I hope to, now with the new computer, hopefully rendering won't take forever, uh, start up a weekly, probably bi-weekly in the beginning, a short video uh, series just with, you know, whatever my thought of the week is with any of the many Diablo games that we have coming, uh, just to have a uh, more concurrent uh presence in the weekly affairs of the community and opinions and viewpoints and such. So hopefully that will be starting in the next two or three weeks. That's good. And well, something else to, to watch every week then. Yeah, hopefully. Hopefully I stick with it. <laughs> you can reach me at Shazam081 you can email the show at hearthstonehell at gmail.com. You can go to the website, hearthstonehell.com, which I really need to update. And that's basically about it. Um, all the Twitter is at hearthstonehell. But that's basically about it for this episode. Um, so, yeah, hopefully you guys got a bunch of information out of the show and um we'll see you guys next week
having it. 